1: Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio.
2: Good Friday morning. It's Friday, November 17, 2023. Great to be back with you on a Friday as we move into a very busy time of year. We are going to be looking at Advent, and of course, we're going to also be looking at Thanksgiving next week. It's uh, pretty Interesting how time flies. And I know the last couple of months have flown by really quickly for me and Deacon Dom as we've been hosting a number of tours in Italy and are looking forward to getting back to family and friends in the Great Lakes State of Michigan. Also looking forward to sharing with you a very important interview this morning on a Friday with Dr. Miriam Grossman. She's written a fantastic book for parents that will really help families, parents, and I think educators as well, dealing with this crazy transgender agenda that is harming so many of our young people. Her latest book is Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. Now, she has written other books about how the sexual called sexual evolution and this over-sexualized culture of ours has been harming young people for decades. She was a college psychiatrist. She saw the fallout from that on the campus, and she decided to speak up. She's testified in Congress many times on these issues, and recently— in the last year or so, also on this issue with the transgender ideology, talking about the harm that it's doing across the board. This is a tough book to read. I have to tell you, I've gotten through about three quarters of it and I had to put it down a few times and back away because what's being done to our young people and what they're doing in terms of pressuring parents is just so out of control and out of I don't know, a science fiction movie, it seems. But she's put put together great research, great background, and also great resources to stand up to this craziness of this transgender agenda. And then Dr. Peter Williamson, very proud of him. He's from Sacred Heart Major Seminary. He's promoting a free online course for Advent that is beginning very soon. And you don't have to be from the Archdiocese of Detroit to take part. It's a really cool program, and it's part of a series of programs that Sacred Heart is doing to offer great resources, to people all during the year, especially on these uh, these different liturgical seasons, including Advent, Advent right around the corner. So you're going to get a little jump on that with Dr. Williamson. He'll be joining us. Thanks again to Vanessa Denhagarmo and Sherry Brownrigg for filling in, and let's get started with the news on a Friday. The U.S. bishops will continue to highlight the threat of abortion as a preeminent priority in the introduction to a guide they'll disseminate to Catholic voters ahead of next year's election. According to Catholic News Agency, that designation, the source of debate among some bishops in recent years, was retained when the bishops voted overwhelmingly to approve a revised introduction to the guide, Forming Consciences of Faithful Citizenship. This happened at their annual fall assembly Wednesday in Baltimore. The bishops as CNA reports also voting to approve several brief excerpts from the guide to be inserted in parish bulletins during the upcoming election cycle. The new introduction to the guide says the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks our most vulnerable and voiceless brothers and sisters. Mark Mayfield tells us multiple reports say Israel and Hamas appear to be near a hostage deal.
0: The deal would free 50 women and children for the return of Palestinian prisoners. The exchange would coincide with a three- to five-day ceasefire. The reports have yet to be confirmed officially by either side. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: Meanwhile, fighting between Israel and Hamas is in its 42nd day. Israeli forces storming Gaza's main hospital and said they found weapons and a laptop with a photo of a kidnapped Israeli soldier on it. This comes as Joe Biden says he does not believe the war would end until there's a two-state solution. And pro-Palestinian activists shutting down all westbound lanes of the Bay Bridge in San Francisco yesterday morning in an effort to protest the war in Israel. Commuters were caught in the middle, and this mom says she was frightened for herself and her three preteen kids. It's really scary for the people. It's not a fault. My daughter, she's crying. And... Israel is scary. I'm shaking. Many even linked arms and tied themselves to cars while others staged a die-in, they said, and laid on the ground to represent, they claim, the over 12,000 people who have died in the war between Israel and Hamas. And some protesters went so far and threw their car keys into the bay. The Senate has passed a stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. Yesterday's vote was 87 to 11, with just 60 votes needed to pass. It will now head to the president's desk to be signed. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell say they support the bill that extends government funding through early next year. New House Speaker Mike Johnson was able to see the measure passed with mostly Democratic votes after dozens of Republicans opposed the plan due to a lack of spending cuts. And the residents of a border town about 70 miles southeast of San Diego are speaking out, as John Fink says, about the migrants running through their backyards.
3: The border wall runs alongside the small town with less than 600 people. Jerry Schuster has been living in Hacumba for over 40 years. He tells NBC 7 in just the past few months, hundreds have been using holes in the fence to cross over the border.
4: You know, they, they just pass by the fence and uh, there is opening and just just walk to our country, right here.
3: The fiscal year that ended in September saw approximately 230,000 people that crossed the border, a number that's not been seen in decades.
2: And central and southern Florida dealing with intense rain, flooding, and high winds, leaving more than 100,000 customers without power. Strong onshore winds created gusts that reached 74 miles per hour near Miami, and roads have been washed out, and the National Weather Service has a flood watch in effect in Miami and other areas through today. Voting by the UAW on their tentative contract agreements with all three Detroit automakers ended yesterday. Ford and Stellantis workers are expected to approve the deal, but there's speculation that General Motors workers might not. The Arlington, Texas, GM facility approving the contract yesterday, but senior workers are pushing a no vote, saying it does not help them as they prepare to retire. An announcement on the vote is expected today. And New York Congressman George Santos, as Natalie Milioli tells us, says he will not seek reelection after the House Ethics Committee released a damning report yesterday.
5: The committee agrees the embattled congressman committed substantial wrongdoing and will put forth an expulsion resolution Friday, alleging the Republican had $50,000 from campaign funds deposited into his bank account. He allegedly used that money to pay down personal debt, at one point taking a more than $4,200 shopping trip to Hermes. He's also accused of using the funds for the subscription site OnlyFans, Botox and Sephora. Santos previously pleaded not
2: guilty to nearly two dozen federal charges, saying in a statement he's not running in 2024 because his Better than to be under the gun from the press all the time. Retail experts say there may be fewer presents under the tree this year because consumers are buying fewer toys. They say Barbie dolls, transformers, and Hot Wheels are on the top of the children's wish list this year, but that parents worldwide are struggling with high inflation. And many retailers ordered fewer toys than usual this season, anticipating lower demand. Some experts, however, are expecting a late surge in that demand. And Aaron Real tells us the Wall Street Journal's annual ranking of the country's busiest airports is out again.
1: The Wall Street Journal's report card ranks the 50 largest U.S. airports on 30 measures divided into two categories. The first group measures reliability, the second value and convenience. This includes everything from flight delays, TSA wait times, parking and airport amenities like food, dining and bathrooms. Airports in the West generally perform better than those in the East. The top 10 large airports in the U.S., first place Phoenix, followed by Minneapolis, L.A., Atlanta, Detroit, San Francisco, Houston, Seattle, Las Vegas, and Boston. Top mid-size airports, San Jose, San Antonio, and Sacramento. Procrastinating
2: on buying your turkey this year may have saved you some money. Each week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture scans thousands of supermarket advertising specials. USDA analyst Shiles Shagam says this week's fresh and frozen turkeys are selling for more than last year, while other types are selling for less.
4: If you're a person who just prefers to have the breast meat, uh, we are looking at lower prices being offered at retail for breast meat. Whole frozen breasts are being offered at $2.23 a pound compared to $2.38 a pound
2: last year. He says fresh turkey breast meat is also selling for less than last year. He adds that those who wait until next week to shop may get even better deals for their big Thanksgiving holiday meal as black friday small business saturday and cyber monday approach the experts say consumers are at a higher risk of porch theft this expert nick wolney with a consumers magazine says folks are relying on security cameras and packaging tracking to deter porch pirates but that might not be enough the thing about porch theft is it's a really quick crime they're in and out very quickly
5: and so it's good for consumers to know their different options. That way they don't get stuck having to replace or refund a gift this holiday season.
2: He also says more than $74 billion, yes, you heard correctly, billion dollars worth of packages could be left on consumers' doorsteps this season. In addition, more than 104 million Americans anticipate leaving their homes unattended for at least six hours, which does pose an increased risk of porch theft it's a friday morning it's november 17th thanks for tuning in to ewtn and ave maria radio's catholic connection one more story a fun story for thanksgiving the macy's thanksgiving day parade is coming up next week organizers say it's going to feature six new floats they include a willy wonka inspired chocolate float and also a teenage mutant ninja turtle theme creation and a new snoopy float will also debut that will show woodstock and friends looking out for wild turkeys We'll be right back on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. Stay tuned.
1: The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You remember the time I said on the air, go to confession. And when you're done, go out and have a big ice cream soda. Celebrate. And a man wrote to me, he says, you know, I hadn't gone to confession in 30 years. Do you mind if I went and had a pizza? I said, oh, have 20 pizzas.
3: W T N. live truth, live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More
4: information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org.
1: Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit.
0: Finding good health care, encouragement for healthier living, or solid spiritual direction can be frustrating. That's why the Catholic healthcare Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering a health-sharing option. Curo's Christ-centered wellness services include Catholic wellness coaching, spiritual direction, and a Catholic community supporting your health and wellness needs. Visit cmfcuro.com to learn more. That's cmfcuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness.
1: The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Don't you feel sometimes like there's so many people in the world? How does He hear your prayer? Never think of that, huh? Everybody thinks of that. I'm only a little grain of sand on the seashore. Oh, but that's not true. See, God is God, and you and I have to let God be God. I don't know how He does it. He's God. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious
5: Catalog at ewtnrc.com.
2: Catholic Connection, thanks for tuning in to the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. It's an honor to have Miriam Grossman, MD, back with us. She's been on with us uh, many times. She's done some phenomenal work in helping us understand what's being done to our young people, especially our children, thanks to the culture and so many bad decisions being made all over the place, including this push for so-called uh, you know, transgender ideology. It's just off the charts, out of control. And her latest book is entitled Lost in Trans Nation. A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness with a foreword by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And if you're not familiar with Miriam Grossman, MD's work, you should be. You probably are already, but she is a board-certified child expert in child adolescence. And Dr. Grossman, thank you so much for joining us. What led you to do this book? The research on this is incredible. I was telling you as we were getting prepared to speak with you this morning that I've been reading the book. It's phenomenally well-documented, but it's also, even for someone like me who's been out there covering stories and seeing a lot of crazy things, I had to, at one point, put the book down because it's such a travesty, what's happening. Thank you for your work. But what what prompted this particular book for you?
6: Well, Teresa, thank you so much for having me on again. It's always wonderful to be on with you. What prompted me to write this book was my... The years that I've spent the past few years seeing kids who are confused about their sex and their, and their parents. And I've been practicing psychiatry for almost 40 years, Teresa. And, you know, I've seen all sorts of situations, all sorts of extremely difficult, painful situations. But this has been the most difficult issue that I have ever dealt with. These kids who have been led to believe that it's possible to be born in the wrong body, it's possible to actually be the other sex in your mind and and need to uh, modify your body in order to uh, have it you know, uh, coordinate with your feelings. This is what young people are being taught from a very, very early age. There are books now that are written to be read to preschoolers that say things like, you know, uh, sometimes the adults make a mistake when a baby is born and they assume that that baby is a boy or a girl. Only you know if you're a boy or a girl, or both, or neither, or some variation. Only you
5: can say.
6: And so I am seeing these kids who have been, some of them, very deeply indoctrinated. And uh, in addition to being indoctrinated into this false belief, Teresa, the other part of this that is so awful is that they are indoctrinated to believe that anybody that will not go along with it, anyone that questions or, you know, wants to have a more cautious approach is, is a bad person, is a transphobic bigot. And so what I see with these kids and they come from often the most loving and devoted families, is that they become convinced that their parents are are not safe, their home is not safe, because the parents draw the line at, you know, denying reality. In other words, these are parents that will do anything for their kids but they will not deny the reality of their child's biological sex, and they will not go along with the new name and pronouns. They will not take their child to a gender clinic where they're going to be placed on blockers and hormones. And so you see risks within the family that previously were not there, that previously you know the kids will tell me I always thought my parents were were great people they were the most wonderful people but now I'm really doubting that and they're you know I'm seeing who they really are and they're not good people and some kids become estranged from their families so this is a terribly destructive situation and just going back to how I started and I explained to you Teresa that this was the hardest thing that I've dealt with as a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and that's because in the past the situations that I've seen you know the 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 tragedies that I've seen have been due to illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder you know and I, I've seen suicidal individuals and I've seen, I've been through suicides with families but you see this is different because those were due to illnesses terrible psychiatric illnesses but this is a man-made catastrophe this is due to the man-made I call it a, a crusade a crusade of gender ideology which has no basis in science, no basis in medicine. These kids are all healthy. They're physically healthy. What they have is an emotional disorder, but it has been caused by this crusade of, of gender ideology that has moved through our previously trusted institutions our medical institutions, mental health, educational, uh, legal, government. It's just moved through these institutions, and it is causing terrible, terrible harm. So I wrote the book to educate parents. The book is not only for parents that might be going through this calamity right now. It's also a book for parents to help them protect their families in the future to inoculate their kids so that their kids will not be sucked into these false beliefs and the book is written for everyday moms and dads you do not need a PhD to read the book as I'm sure you can attest to It's it's written in everyday language I mean there is a lot of science in it there's a lot of medicine because I explain to parents everything they need to know so that when they, you know, so that they can be sure, 100% sure, without any doubt, that there is no legitimate argument for these kids to uh, go through any sort of what they call transition, whether it's social transition or, of course, medical or surgical transition. Yeah.
2: What you're doing, Doctor, is just so, so important. We're talking with Miriam Grossman, MD. She's a board-certified in child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry, the author of five books, and her work, as we mentioned earlier, has been translated now into 11 languages. The title of this latest book, Lost in Transnation." we'll put a link to it on the Catholic Connection archives. I highly recommend it, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. What you started with in the beginning, Doctor, was an understanding of where this came from, a lot of us think that it came all of a sudden. Like, it's just we see this now the last, I think, five, maybe six, ten years. Everything is trans this, trans that. But this idea and this push goes way back, does it not?
6: Well, it certainly does, and I write about that in detail in the book. And, Teresa, you might be aware that I first warned parents about transgenderism and that it was being taught. In our sex education by Planned Parenthood and by CECUS using our federal tax dollars, and I wrote about that in 2009 in my book. You're teaching my child what? Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote there how uh, this this ideology of teaching kids that they could, you know, that are that being male and female is separate from our biology, that our biology, our chromosomes, our anatomy is completely separate from our identity as male or female. This is what um, I discovered when I was researching sex education, and I discovered a whole lot of other awful material, but this was perhaps the most disturbing. And so I wrote in that book that was published in 2009. It, it actually just came out a few weeks ago in paperback. You're teaching my child what? And I explained that um, this is going to be a disaster for our kids. Unfortunately, it was not picked up. It wasn't really noticed at that time, and it has taken you know this current epidemic or pandemic, you could even say, of confused kids for everybody to notice it, but the origins, to answer your question, the origins of this idea that biology doesn't matter when it comes to male and female goes back many, many decades, and it started with a psychologist by the name of John Money. Some people may have heard of him, a notorious, um, immoral, evil uh, individual uh, who proposed this idea, had a theory, his gender theory was that um, we are born blank slates. We are born, uh, all of us, with the possibility of of living as males or females. Now, he was a, an emotionally disturbed individual, as I explain in the book, um, a, a very... A very bad player and what happened is that he told the world that he had proven his theory um after a family came to him uh, uh a a a young blue-collar family that had experienced a a tra- the tragedy of one of their twin boys uh while being circumcised as a as an eight-month-old, something went wrong with the equipment. And so the family was left with the situation of, of their twins, one of them being a, uh, a, a normal, anatomically normal boy. The other one uh, was born normal, but he had had his penis burnt off. And to make a long story short, they, they went to John Money and he instructed them to raise this boy. Doctor,
2: hang on. We have to take a break. I don't want you to get interrupted, but I have to make time for our satellite break. We'll also get cut off. We'll continue our conversation with Miriam Grossman, MD, and her very important book, Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness, with the forward by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. We'll be right back on Catholic Connections. Stay tuned.
1: Father Benedict Groeschel.
3: I don't think people should have negative fears of God. but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize his presence. And in proportion, as we believe that he is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic.
1: Do you know the origin of the rainbow? According to the Catholic Catechism, the first rainbow occurred after the flood when God established a covenant with Noah and his descendants. The rainbow was God's pictorial reminder to both God and man. God tells Noah in Genesis, This is the sign I am giving for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and every living creature with you. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant I have made between me and you and all living beings, so that the waters will never again be a flood to destroy all mortal beings. Little wonder, a vivid valentine from our Creator so excites our eyes. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
4: Hello, my name is Francesca. Hello, my name is Liliana.
2: And we're blessing to too. And Teresa. The book is Lost in Transnation, a Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. Our guest is Miriam Grossman, the author, M.D. The book, and the forward. Forward was actually written by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson and Miriam Grossman wrote this book, and I had her on more than once with her first book, as she mentioned before the break, but she's on top of this and has does such excellent research. All right. So continuing the story about where this all happened and how really this began with John money. I'm going to let you wrap that up because we got, uh, yeah. we had to wrap up. Yeah, the break. sure.
6: Sure. What happened with John money is that he instructed these parents to raise this boy as a girl. And then after a number of years, he reported that it was a complete success. And uh, this was in the 60s, the 70s. Uh, it made a huge, huge splash. It was, you know, publicized worldwide that a boy was successfully being raised as a girl. It became doctrine. It became part and parcel of many disciplines, psychology, sociology, even some medical disciplines, that it was possible to successfully raise a boy as a girl and that biology could be denied. Now, uh, what actually happened with this child was that he was miserable being raised as a girl, even though he had no idea since this all began when he was so, so young, but he hated being dressed in in dresses and given dolls, and he had no idea why. Um, This is a story that, that everyone should be aware of. He ended up, becoming suicidal when he was entering his teen years. He had been miserable all those years, never fit in, was extremely masculine in the way that he spoke and moved and his interests. The, the kids in school called him cave woman. It was a terrible situation, and eventually the parents went against Dr. Money's instructions and told him that he had been born a boy and he immediately went back to living as a boy. He had all sorts of surgeries to to construct male genitalia. He ended up marrying a woman and adopting her three kids. But unfortunately he had been he and his brother had really been damaged by the whole experience. Doctor Money also had had sexually abused these boys. It's just a horrific story. They ended up both dying young. Uh, uh, the, the 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 other twin ha- died of an overdose, and and David, the twin who had been raised as a girl, killed himself in his 30s. So this all only became clear in the late 90s. It only became evident that it, that that this this uh, experiment on these boys had been a disaster. Now, the thing is that this experiment was supposed to have been John Money's proof of concept, proof of the concept that biology didn't matter, and it was obviously a disaster because biology does matter, and when we try to deny biology, we pay a price. And just getting back to the current situation, these kids and young adults that are being given uh, medications that interfere with their development and hormones that cause the opposite-sex puberty and opposite-sex characteristics, and then surgeries, they are ending up with a long list of medical problems, right. whereas their emotional problems, which is what got them into this in the first place, are not being addressed so I describe in the book some of my patients who have gone through what's being called, what's being touted as gender-affirming care.
0: Mm-hmm. It's being
6: touted by government officials like Admiral Dr. Rachel Levine. It's being touted as life-saving. It is none of those things. We don't have evidence of that at all. In fact, it may be that the kids are doing worse emotionally on the other side of this. They may be more suicidal on the other side of it when they realize that they cannot become the opposite sex um, and they have damaged their bodies and they might, in fact, have been sterilized. So this is something that parents have to fight tooth and nail. And I know that it's an uphill battle, but I am providing in my book the practical guidance in order to fight this social movement and for example i have an entire chapter on schools i want parents to understand what's going on in schools and how the schools have been co-opted by these this radical ideology and i provide also an appendix about schools how kids how Parents need to be proactive and know their rights. The appendix mm-hmm. is written by lawyers who are experts in this field. Uh, parents have constitutional rights when it comes to their, the education and upbringing of their kids. The parents have the rights to make those decisions, not the schools. And, you know, there are losses now that are being you know, making their way through the courts, it's going to take time, but I promise you that all this is going to, is is coming to a head, and um, those that are responsible for harming our kids, both in the medical profession and in the educational profession and the legal profession, are going to be held responsible, so I don't want people to feel helpless, there's so much that parents can do to prevent this disaster from hitting their family.
2: That's why your book is so helpful. I mean, it's it's shocking. We think we know so much about it because it's in the news all the time, and, and, and it's being covered in terms of from the different outlets, the conservative outlets like ours who are speaking the truth and allowing people like you to have a voice on, on these programs but it's so well documented. That's what I really appreciate, even as, as shocking as some of these things are, that you'd be surprised that it's even worse than, than what we're seeing out there now in terms of how long this has been going on. The book is Lost in Transnation: A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. And I know we only have about two minutes left, and I appreciate you staying with us. I know you're just getting over COVID and that you're still struggling with your voice, but this is so important, and I'd like to even have you back on for for another interview. But What I'm seeing is, if you look at Europe, real quickly, Europe is starting to get a clue of how problematic this is because several places and and nations that would even be considered more progressive in a bad way than ours have put a kibosh or at least slowed down these so-called transitional surgeries. Are we starting to get a clue here in the United States yet, do you think, Doctor?
6: I do believe that we are, and you're right, Teresa. Thank you for bringing up that very important point. Sweden, Norway, Finland, the United Kingdom, and Denmark, as you said, very, quote-unquote, progressive countries, LGBT-friendly countries. They looked at the data regarding these kids, and they did a careful analysis and decided that there is no evidence of long-term benefit of these medical interventions in minors, that there is evidence of long-term harm. And so, yes, they have done a 180, and they have severely restricted access to these treatments.
2: Well, at least that's That's a start. Doctor, we're out of time. Thank you so much. We'll have you back on to do more on this book, Lost in Transnation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness from Miriam Grossman, N.D. We'll be right back.
4: now that the abortion problem has been returned to the states we will most likely be called upon to give a reason for our pro-life activism but this is more than a mere political issue it's an opportunity to present the gospel of life it's an opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom's view of this world and of human life And the central question in this dispute is going to be what is the status of pre-born human life. Many Christians need to recognize that yes, we have to do the political thing, but we have greater opportunities here. We have an opportunity to engage people about the very meaning of life itself. I mean, that's why John Paul II wrote the gospel of life. He didn't just write some sort of political anti-abortion tract, right? He talked about the gospel of life. Cresta in the afternoon,
0: weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
4: It's time
3: for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popchuk. Sharing meals as a family isn't just about nourishing our bodies. It's about nourishing our spirits and relationships too. A large body of research points to the many ways that family meals boost the well-being of kids and parents alike. It can be tough for families to consistently make time to sit down and eat together, but when we do, it's like we're saying to one another, spending time with you is one of the most important parts of my day. In a way, the table that our family gathers around starts to look a little like the altar at church. It becomes a place for practicing gratitude, experiencing sharing, and building communion. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, visit CatholicHOM.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popcheck, but you can call me Family Man. And hey, could you pass the peas? Thanks. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com.
2: 39 minutes past the hour, thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Always great to catch up with the wonderful instructors at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. It's known internationally across the United States for their great work in teaching the faith. And among those on the staff, Dr. Peter Williamson, and there's a beautiful, beautiful online educational course, and it's free, and it just looks amazing, Isaiah in the Light of Christ. Dr. Williamson, always great to talk to you. So tell us about this online program, first of all. Is this for Advent specifically?
5: Yes, it is, uh, Teresa. It's uh, focused on Advent. Um, The title of the course is Isaiah in the Light of Christ. And we're going to look at five passages from Isaiah that the Church reads during the season of Advent
2: and Christmas. Wow, it sounds beautiful. But you have others involved with you, including Adam Cardinal Mita, correct?
5: I am the Adam Cardinal Mita Chair of uh, Scripture, but I don't oh, think okay. that he's particularly yeah. involved in, in the series. Now, it's a course that was has four modules, basically four presentations, it covers, as I said, these five different texts from Scripture. And um, people. it's absolutely free. Uh, it's online and self-paced, so people can access it whenever they want. And it starts Sunday, November 19. Uh, the uh, people can register for it by going to shms, for Sacred Heart Major Seminary, dot .edu forward slash advent shms.edu forward slash advent. And, um, well, you know, Isaiah is very relevant. The very first text that we talk about is the one that says uh, this. Let me read it. <clears throat> it's, it's, this is written by Isaiah, you know, in the 8th century B.C.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And in the midst of a political and social situation that is not very different from our own in some ways, he gets this prophecy that says, you know, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains and be lifted above the hills, and all nations shall float it. So even though they're living in Israel that's only focused on its own relationship with God, he's prophesying that God is going to bring all nations to come to worship the God of Israel. And it says, for out of Zion will go will go the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, something that happened in the Acts of the Apostles, says the word of the Lord goes forth from Jerusalem. But then it says, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So God gives the prophet Isaiah a vision of the end of history, the end of time, far beyond anything anybody else was thinking about at that time and, and the peace that God himself would bring about on the earth. And that's what we wait for and long for. So, and the season of Advent is focused around, you know, Advent focuses on the first and second coming of Christ and it actually begins focusing on this with focusing on the second coming when this ultimate peace is brought by Jesus Christ and, and God's kingdom is fully established. Uh, But then it goes on and talks about Christians, and we'll cover both of those things, the birth of of the Messiah and what it means, meant for the world, and means for uh, us in the future.
2: What I like about it, Dr. Williams, is that it's so doable. I mean, the lecture video is 20 minutes, Alexio Divina exercise is 10, you have a personal assessment quiz, it's five minutes and you also provide some supplemental reading material. So it's not like you're sitting down and you have to spend, not that that would be a bad thing, but a lot of people just simply can't do that, especially as a holidays approach. So it's very doable in terms of someone who's very busy.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. And we wanted to make it uh, as, as user-friendly as possible. You know, it's a, it's a MOOC, a, a mass open online course.
2: And, <laughs> I love uh, that. That's, that's a new acronym I have not heard yet, MOOC. Okay, oh, yeah. I have to write that down. <laughs> yeah moocs
5: yeah yeah. i always have to look it up to remember what it stands for but it's mass open online course anyway uh there's there are many universities offer them as a way of making it possible for people to benefit from you know the learning of of scholars and, and on, on a free basis without enrolling in a course without grades without uh, you know uh, any of those onerous things and without uh, hefty tuition so, uh, so that's the idea of it: is to somehow spread learning for free, you know, as widely as possible.
2: I really, I really like the idea, but I love the, I love the book of Isaiah. I just think it's a so, it's such a beautiful book, and as you said, the, the, the verses are, are so timely today. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Scripture is always timely. It's the Word of God, but yeah. this is just awesome, especially for Advent, because you, you always want to get something maybe fresh or new or look at things from a different perspective, and so you're having a lot of fun with this, aren't you? You're really enjoying it.
5: I, I am very much. I, I'm working on a commentary on the book of Isaiah, so this is very much on my mind every day I'm thinking about Isaiah, and I'm rereading over the sections that I'm going to be writing on that day, or, or uh, yeah, editing. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, Isaiah is, of all the books in the Old Testament, the one that is most quoted or alluded to in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. One one list has it at, at 419 times. I don't know if that's, well, it depends on how you measure them, but uh, even more than the book of Psalms. Psalms is very close, but Isaiah, more than any other book, and it's also the book we Catholics read most at Mass, in, in the lecture, in the Old Testament book, that is. Uh, some people call Isaiah the fifth gospel. I, I know that uh, we also speak about pilgrimage that so the Holy Land is the fifth gospel, but uh, both are vying for that title.
2: We're talking with Dr. Peter Williamson from Sacred Heart Major Seminary, Isaiah in the Light of Christ. It's a free online equipped course brought to you by the Institute for Lay Ministry of Sacred Heart Major Seminary. And Dr. Williamson, by the way, is the Adam Cardinal Mida Chair in Sacred Scripture at Sacred Heart. And, Doctor, that's why I got so excited because I love Cardinal Mida. I got to know him really well when I was a secular media person. I was just reading it too fast (laughs) and thinking that. (laughs) Arnold <laughs> might oh God. Have was in it somehow, which would have been great because he's, he's wonderful. But this is fantastic. I just think having these different outlets available to folks, because it's non-threatening. Sometimes even if you go to a class, you may think, oh, gosh, I'm so over my head. I don't understand it. So people, so many people are so far ahead of me. But I love the fact that you can do this self-paced.
5: Yes, that is very good. And so people may be able to catch the the lecture at maybe 20 to 30 minutes at one time and then they go back and read the text and have a little lexio divina time on their own and they say, okay, I'll, I'll pop that quiz in front of me. And, uh, there is quizzes that are optional, but they're, but a person can correct his answers, you know. And so the idea is by going over the quiz, it helps you review the material, uh, if you want to do that. So it's all self-directed and uh, flexible for people's schedule.
2: Knowing as much of scripture about as, as you do about scripture as you do, is it difficult to narrow this down to a uh, twenty minute segments because you must have so much insight and so much information because you teach this for a living?
5: I do love it a lot and uh, but do find it difficult and in this case, I chose four passages from the or five passages from the first twelve chapters of Isaiah uh, because Isaiah is a big book it has sixty six chapters so there's other parts of Isaiah that cover, that talk about the passion of our Lord. Those are more like 52, 53, uh, also chapter 50. And I would like to go back and do another short course on, you know, Isaiah in the Light of Christ that touches on other parts of of the book, because it's, it's a massive book. Isaiah is uh, the longest of the books of the prophets. It's very beautiful. It's a little complicated. It's the most challenging of of the books to interpret that I've ever tried to write a commentary on. So uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
5: I enjoy it, but it's hard to boil it down because there's so much there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it begins on Sunday, November 19th, and runs through Saturday, December 16th. You can do this on your own, but it won't be, I'm assuming the way it's structured, it won't be available to log on to until the 19th. Is that correct?
5: That's correct, although I believe people can register as of right now by uh, going to shms.edu. Slash
2: so, how would you would you suggest that people do this, Dr. Williamson? Being that it's for Advent, would you say do one each week, or, or I know it's self-paced, but would you recommend? Is there a, a, a way to approach this to think that would be most beneficial?
5: I think it's designed so that people would would do one per week and and therefore complete it before Christmas. Uh, by starting, uh, you know, there in late November. And I think there's an extra week in there in case people don't get it in that particular week. So I, I think if people start it somewhere, you know, or if they start a little later, it'll all work out. And of course, since it's self-paced, people can do it even after Christmas. Uh, and they can do a couple at a time if they want, you know. So I think it's very flexible for people's use.
2: Do you have a favorite verse in, in, in the five that you chose for this uh, self-paced course? Is there one that really speaks to you?
5: Well, gee, that's hard, that's hard to choose. I think I do, like, I do like the line that I just read about, nation shall not lift up sword against nation, mm. neither shall they learn war anymore. You know, I actually recorded these lectures about a month ago, and now as we reflect on what's going on in, uh, in, in the Middle East, um, and we see the tragedy, the harm of war, um, the pain of war. We, we see these videos of people who've lost loved ones, uh, both Jews and, and Palestinians. And, uh, and we think about the horror of war, what's, what's going on in Ukraine as well. And uh, it's one of the worst things that can happen you know, in, in human life is to, to be victims of war. And what Jesus is going to bring about is an end to war and and the establishment of peace, and he's going to bring justice. And so I I find these prophecies, some of the prophecies, not only this one, but another, several of them, actually, in Isaiah, that speak about the ultimate future as as particularly gratifying. They're the source of our hope. We look forward to the coming of God's kingdom. Mm. And that's, of course, what Jesus proclaimed, that the kingdom of of God is, is near and uh, I think that that's probably the part that I like best.
2: I like Isaiah 9-6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love yes. that. That gets me choked up every time I read it.
5: Yes, I agree with you. That's a very beautiful passage, and it's one of the passages, of course, that we'll be looking at uh, in this course.
2: That's awesome. So are you, you said you'd be doing other ones, uh, possibly maybe looking at Isaiah for Lent, do you think, for a course?
5: Well, you know, um, I haven't talked to the people at the Institute for Lay Ministry, but I'm actually, I, I'll declare it right here and now, I'm willing to do another Isaiah in the Light of Christ that focuses more on the passion and, and death of our Lord and resurrection, if they're interested in doing that. So I think that's an idea that we ought to pursue.
2: All right, well, we have the exclusive here on Catholic Connection. You heard it, so I, I hope it happens, because that would be terrific. Dr. Pete, it's always great to catch up with you. Thanks for all you do for Sacred Heart Major Seminary and for the faith. And again, uh, let me tell you about this, folks. You can find it at the website of Sacred Heart Major Seminary, explore.shms.eu, and they can just put in Isaiah in the Light of Christ. We'll have a link also on Catholic Connections, So don't worry if you didn't write it down. We will have it for you available. Isaiah in the Light of Christ with Dr. Peter Williamson has been our guest for the last 15 minutes. It's a free online equipped course brought to you by Lay Ministry at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Arts Diocese of Detroit. Free online self-paced course uh, Sunday, November 19th through Saturday, December 16th. And it's wonderful and free. And you can do it again, as it says, at your own pace. Dr. Williamson, thanks so much. Great to speak with you. Thank
5: you very much, Teresa, for all you do. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you, and God bless. Have a great weekend. Once again, folks, check out the great work of not only Dr. Peter Williamson, but also the other professors at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, many of whom are very well connected to EWTN. So again, Sacred Heart Major Seminary, shms.edu, for their online self-paced courses. This one sounds wonderful. All about Isaiah, and just in time for Advent. Can you believe we're talking about Advent? I can't. Time is way too quickly. Speaking of time, almost 53 minutes past the hour, which means we have to take a break. We'll be right back to let you know what's coming up on a Monday morning edition of Catholic Connection. It's a co-production, of course, of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. We'll be right back.
3: More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN and the Ave Maria Radio Networks. Find us both online, eWTN.com and Ave Maria Radio.net. In addition to the archives you'll find daily at the archive section of Ave Maria Radio.net, I always want to encourage you for news and views from a truly Catholic perspective, please visit our news sources. It's so important to make sure that you are seeing things through the lens, as Al Cresta always says, of Scripture and the teachings of the catholic church so how do you do that well my faves catholic news agency i use them every day catholicnewsagency.com the national catholic register ncregister.com and then of course there are great programs here on the ewtn network that help you take a look at the news again through a catholic perspective you have the world over with news director raymond arroyo you have ewtn news nightly every single night covering all the stories in the U.S. and around the world. You have In Depth, it's a relatively new program looking at issues in depth from a news perspective. So just to keep that in mind, when you see something out there in the news or in the world and you're troubled by it, come to us, we've got the resources. Have a great day, talk to you soon.
6: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio
1: and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net.
6: Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.